0: This American Life's serial podcast in the new golden age for podcasts. Or is it? And why is Beats crushing bows on YouTube? This is episode eight of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media.
1: Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey, and I'm Tom Asacker. Tom, we're going to pick up today with this American Life Serial podcast in the new golden age for podcasts, or is it serial? As a lot of folks know, is this kind of true crime mystery uh, drama podcast that the folks at This American Life have created and. Some of the articles that we have are just effusive about this thing. Serial podcast catches fire is one from Wall Street Journal, and that's in the presence of a bunch of articles which together tell a story that says podcasting is entering a new golden age. True or false?
1: Is that right? <laughs> uh, so it's a golden age, or Serial's creators struck gold. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go with the latter. I mean, I I listen to it. Serial is exceptionally well done storytelling. It has an addictive real life whodunit plot. It has become a shared experience. It's it's water cooler conversation. It reminds me of the very first season of 24 when everyone was talking about it. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I mean, when I visited the site last week, I was met by a splash page asking for donations to fund second season because the first season was picked up funded by this American life with some you know major underwriting support so who knows right mark
0: well absolutely who knows and in fact let me give you some statistics that will tell a different story Actually, listening to podcasts has been rising steadily over time, not dramatically, but steadily, and it's not dramatically higher now than it's ever been. It's reached about 15% of uh, America listening to podcasts in any reasonable period of time. That's, as they say, up steadily over the years. That's not a dramatic change. One of the articles that we have, in fact, talks about uh, is from Marco.org by Marco Armand, a programmer, writer, podcaster, and the title is Why Podcasts Are Suddenly Quote Back." And he writes, did you hear? Podcasts were dead, and now they're back. Uh, And then he goes on, the story of podcasts suddenly being back strongly suggests and mostly requires that they had been big at one time and had since gone away. That New New York Times article even cites a bottom time, 2010, but that never really happened. Podcasts in 2010 were a lot like podcasts in 2007, which were a lot like podcasts in 2004, which are a lot like podcasts in 2014. There's a lot of tech shows. But most of the biggest are professionally produced public radio shows released as podcasts with other strong contingents in comedy, business, and religion, followed by a huge long tail of special interests with small but passionate audience. Now, here's the key part. What's apparent from most of the recent podcast stories is that most of their reporters have talked to very few sources and either don't listen to podcasts themselves or have just started. Right. I think he's completely right. I think you're right. A lot of this is fueled by the sudden success of Serial. Now, I want to talk about that for a second because you're right. It is very well done, and it's also very ambitious. But let me kind of lift the veil on on that story a little bit as well because I think there's a ton of hype surrounding that show. Yes. Um, the iTunes ranker, first of all, which Serial pretty much owns right now, is not what it seems. The iTunes ranker is not simply an indication of popularity. It's actually an algorithm. A lot of people don't realize that. And into that algorithm go metrics like momentum. You know how fast is a podcast growing? Right. Comments. You know we don't normally think of that, but yes, if you interact with the com with the podcast via comments, that contributes to its ranking overall. It has much more to do with momentum per se than it has to do with you know raw popularity. So it's not just popularity. Now, here's the other thing. The iTunes ranker is not the uh, sum total of all podcast consumption. There are podcasts which get a lot of consumption which which may be part of iTunes but don't get most of their consumption from iTunes. I know of one in particular, which I'm not at liberty to um, name, that gets uh, probably as much consumption as Serial does, and it's from a reality TV star. (laughs) <laughs> it just happens not to get most of that consumption via iTunes. Right. A third point, um, 1.4 million downloads per episode is roughly what Serial is getting, and that's generating all this uh, press. Um, that's about 18 million uh, exposures less than what the average episode of NCIS gets on CBS. So we got to keep that in perspective. Right. A fourth point, I'm just full of points today, Tom. I know you are. There's an origin story. <laughs> to this podcast. You indicated, we've talked about how this is from This America Life. Well, This American Life um, is already pretty much the most important podcast out there and had previously ranked number one prior to Serial. So, This American Life took that first episode of Serial and launched that first episode on an episode of This American Life. Now, remember... Uh, TAL. Thing, yes, right, it's a platform thing. Yes, it's a platform thing. Not only does TAL have the most important podcast in America, but it also has all these distribution channels, these distribution points called, oh, I believe they're called public radio stations. Right. So <laughs> this got a, a launch platform like no other. A couple other points. Um, there's a book recently written by a uh, screenwriter, uh, and the book is th- about the history of of uh, of screenwriting and it's called what happens next. And those three words are as you know Tom because you know more about storytelling than I do. They're the basis for why we care about stories at all,
1: right? Yeah, we're curious. We we want to know that, that that's why that that iTunes is driven so high is because we don't know what's going to happen next and everybody's, you know, out there giving their opinion, right?
0: That's right. Um a couple other things: the genre that they're choosing, this murder mystery genre, which is you know easily as old as Agatha Christie, if not older, <laughs> um, has intrigue built in. Right? We want to know. We want to play Clue. We want to know who done it. The style, the serial style. The, even the folks at Serial acknowledge that that's as old as Dickens. They say, and certainly it's the same as we experience on The Walking Dead and Mad Men of Game of Thrones and so many more. Um, so here's one other facet. In the world of podcasts, however, all these somewhat formulaic elements that are not at all surprising and unique, somehow in the world of podcasting, they're all fresh because if you consider the form that most podcasts come in, let's just review them. One is stuff that sounds that that's you know repurposed radio or television programming, right? That's right. Another would be people talking either into mics or to each other like you were you and I are doing right now.
1: Interviewing yep, absolutely. A
0: third one is interviewing mm-hmm. where you you know you've got an interview subject. Um, that's pretty much 90% of it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's about it. I mean, while well, most of these podcasts are appealing to to, to small, Niche audiences, any anyway, rate, right? I mean, most podcasts are like most blog posts and most books and, and 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 most music. I mean, if they're hitting maybe tens of thousands of downloads, then then they're lucky. There are only a handful of hits like Serial, This American Life, uh, Radio Lab, uh, Media Unplugged. Right? I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I think one other uh, aspect of this that's important is you know. Compared to the typical podcast, let alone the typical radio show, let's say, um, serial actually requires listening in serial fashion, right? I mean by definition. The typical podcast is topical. The typical podcast is not bound by time. There is no chapterization, right? You can enjoy this episode of our podcast and so many others without having heard the previous and without bothering to listen to the next. There's none of that momentum. It's topical. It is, in another word, disposable. Right. Serial is clearly not because of the nature of the content. So, my expectation going forward is that in the long run, this won't make much of a difference to the podcast, to the world of podcasting. It will, however, cause every person who works in public radio to wake up every morning and say, Where's my serial murder mystery podcast? (laughs)
1: Listen, you know, the question is and always will be with media. One will people support it with money, either donations or paid subscriptions, and/or will the growing attention attract larger underwriting dollars? Another word, you know, another form of paid media. We don't know that. This is not easy to pull off. I mean, I think yeah, everybody's looking at this saying, "Oh yeah, we can do this," you know. And and unlike in NCIS. You know, how many people that do they have working on this thing? Maybe, you know, half a dozen? That's right. You know, so they can, they can get a uh, $20 CPM, uh, cost per thousand impressions. And, you know, with what, a million and a half downloads a week? That's enough to support months of investigative journalism and some pretty high audio production value. Absolutely. And I
0: think it's also, um, because of the quality of the effort, it it again reminds us all of what is possible in that space. There's a quote from the Wall Street Journal piece from Jason Reitman. We all know Jason Reitman, the filmmaker of Up in the Air and so on. Mm-hmm. He said he's so obsessed with the show, he taught himself the show's disquieting piano score while biding time between installments. <laughs> I look forward it every Thursday in a way I don't remember awaiting the release of an episode of anything recently, he said. There's something very intimate about someone telling you a story that's close to your ears. And on that note, I think he's exactly right, don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I don't, let's watch and see what happens. I don't think it's going to be easy to pull off for someone else just to pull this thing off. Uh, yes, listen, yes, I, I think Edison Research says that there's close to 40 million people listened to a podcast last month. Mm hmm. But the last time I checked, there were about a quarter of a million podcasts. <laughs> you know, so, so do the numbers. Wait, what you know. time
0: did you check? Because I think it's up to <laughs> half a million. It's up to half a million today, right? One last point I want to make on this, uh, on the serial thing, and this is from an article that just um, struck me wrong. This is from Quartz. It's written by a guy named Jason Lynch. And I, I expect better from Quartz, but here's the title of the piece Sorry, Netflix, serial proves that the best shows shouldn't be binged on. And I thought, what is he talking about? Serial has captured our imagination in a way no TV show has done this fall and has the kind of deafening buzz and rabid fan base that any series would kill for. The unlikely global phenomenon is also the strongest proof in years that taught weekly storytelling (laughs) trumps the increasingly popular binge-watching method that Netflix helped pioneer. All right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, don't understand the connection.
0: (laughs) First of all, let me break the news to Jason that the vast majority of consumption of cereal is not going to happen on the day the episode is released. The vast majority of consumption is going to happen down the road. This is why, for example, shows like Breaking Bad got bigger as their seasons went on, right? People discovered the show. They went back to the beginning. They watched it from the beginning when there was an archive of shows so this notion that if it, by the way i have about 8 episodes of cereal sitting on my iphone right now they are archived if i want to binge them i can here's the news jason binging is a choice nobody's Absolutely. nobody's forcing you it's you know if there's a bowl right. of potato chips on the table in front of you you don't need to eat the whole
1: thing yeah and i don't even understand it so so i guess what he's saying is that if you're if you're Sitting in your car and you're driving someplace for four hours, you're going to listen to what? One episode, and then you're just going to shut it off? You're well, going no, to shut it off. Well, no, he's assuming,
0: again, he's assuming that you only listen on the day the new episode comes out, which is oh, not okay, going to be right. the case in any way. It's just an utter waste of, it, I'd say newsprint, but we're beyond that. All right. <laughs> you're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Topic two Why is Beats crushing bows on YouTube? Tom, this is from a piece in Digiday, a great uh, publication by Eric Blatberg, and what was interesting to me about this wasn't just that Beats was crushing uh, Bose on YouTube, but that Beats was crushing Bose soundly everywhere. In fact, Beats has usurped Bose as the reigning champion of the premium headphones market and now captures 61% of revenue of the uh, 100-plus million-dollar headphone sales, while Uh, Bose's total has dropped to 22%. In a word, Beats is to LeBron as Bose is to Carpool Dads. What would you take on this?
1: Well, look, I mean, I'm out here in Bose land, right? So (laughs) Bose is is an engineering-driven company. It's founded by an MIT-educated engineer. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to their focus, which is driven by their beliefs, their organizational DNA, if you will, technology and sound quality Trump culture and design. I mean, it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Go to Bose.com and then take a look at beatsbydre.com. And on one, you'll see images of products and discounts, right? That's what's on Bose. You go to Beats and you see images of LeBron James and Hello Kitty. Mm. So so Beats, they understand, they understand culture. Now Bose just did sign a big sponsorship deal with the NFL. So they do seem to you know that they're getting a handle on on popular culture and what drives people's desires but even that deal would force the players not to wear Beats headphones 90 minutes before and after the game because those are the headphones they <laughs> yeah. wanted to Tom, wear. Tom,
0: there's, an, there's an, a sentence in the article that addresses that. It says, Bose became the official headphone sponsor of the NFL last month, but several NFL players have
1: opted to keep wearing their Beats and pay the league fines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, T.J. T. Ward, who's a, a Denver Broncos player, he said, Bose has good headphones, but they look like old people headphones. Mm. So, again, this is this is a whole... This is a whole culture thing, right? What do people really desire? And the winners are the ones who sell something that's highly differentiated, the bundle of value, not a particular value, but a bundle of value. And and they create that with an application of various expertise. Yes, technical, but also design savvy and marketing acumen. I think people still discount this whole design and marketing component mm. that you just can't get those competencies in school. There's no book that can give you the ability to make these, these kind of brand judgments. You know, they're gained from the marketplace. They're gained from mentors that really understand what's going on out there.
0: So it's not as simple as having Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine and um, uh, and LeBron and other personalities associated. It's not simply having a star fronting your merchandise, right?
1: Oh no. No, look. Take a look, go, go and, and look at that beats LeBron James spot with that hosier song mm-hmm. that, you know, that Take Me to Church. Yes. You've seen that one? I, unbelievable. I, I mean, it gives you chills. You want to share it. It's like a great little movie. You suspend disbelief. You forget that someone's even trying to sell you something. And it's that intensity of emotion and and your identification with the subject That's what drives sharing of these videos. Mm. You know, it's about quality of the video, and that's what brings you the quantity of views. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the other way to around. To that point, the
0: primary uh, Beats by Dr. Dre YouTube channel is 303,000 subscribers, while Bose's channel is just over 20,000. In aggregate Beats, videos get nearly 17.6 million monthly views, while Bose videos get nearly 2.9 vill- billion, according to OpenSlate data. So that's a reflection of
1: what you're saying right there. Absolutely. Look, there's a lot of YouTube videos. And I mean, there's hundreds of hours of videos uploaded to youtube every minute right Mm -hmm. and i think most of them have fewer than 500 views Mm -hmm. it's not easy to create something that's going to tap into culture popular culture and get spread around and and guess what these guys at beats they know how to do it
0: interesting it's time for rants and raves the favorite part of the show Um, Tom, what do you have for us this week?
1: Well, (laughs) you know that Kim Kardashian, she tried to break the internet with her nude shoot for paper magazine. So the whole thing, (laughs) that whole thing was ridiculous. But here's what I thought the good news was. I said, okay, but the good news is that the European Space Agency's probe landing on a comet, that edged her out on social media. It did. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, we must be advancing as a species after all. And then what happens? Twitter and Facebook explode with reactions to the landing. Did you hear about this? No. Shirtgate or hashtag shirtstorm or, or whatever you want to call that controversy? No. Over Matt Taylor's shirt? Did you hear this? No, tell me. Okay, it's as ridiculous as Kim Kardashian. So Matt Taylor, he's the British rocket scientist who led the team that, that really made that awesome feat happen, and he was called out by feminists for wearing an inappropriate shirt he was wearing a hawaiian style tourist shirt and it was decorated with comic book style pictures mm-hmm. of scantily clad women <laughs> with now listen which is by the way is it's his lucky shirt it's the one he wears on, import, not he wears on important not in every respect yeah on on important days you know the guy's a rocket scientist so he's not a fashion guy so now, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and sad that a mob of online feminists, along with the mainstream media, which latches on to anything that's trending, they harassed this dedicated and brilliant guy to the point of tears. He had to make an apology. Oh, man. Right? And he was in tears. So think about this. Here's an object flying through space at 84,000 miles an hour. And this guy, from 300 million miles away, lands something on it, and we're focused on his shirt. So I guess we're not really evolving that much after all, right? To me, that media storm was one giant step back for me. Now, what if we had
0: landed Kim Kardashian on a comet? Now you'd really have now, something. Now, that
1: would have been something that would have broken the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I have actually two today. I'm going to try and do these quick because I'm, I'm biting off more than I'm supposed to chew. But first of all, I have a rave and I, this didn't start out being a rave. This goes back to cereal and specifically at the front of the cereal, um, uh, at each cereal chapter, there's a, an, a spot by MailChimp, a short, I don't know, 20 second, 20, 20 second spot from MailChimp. Um, because they're a sponsor of the effort, and at first I thought, "Wow, this spot is actually getting its own articles written about it." Here's one I'm looking at right now in Quartz um, um, from Adam Epstein about, and it's called "How Mailchimp's Irresistible Serial Ad: The Ad Became the Year's Biggest Marketing <laughs> Win." Although that's undeniable, um, and I thought I listened to it, and you've heard it, right? Yeah. Did you have a take on it?
1: I thought it was I thought it was well done. I mean, you li- you listened to it is the point, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you do listen to it, which is the point. I First I heard, I thought, I can't believe that there's all this praise over what amounts to a radio spot. I mean, there's been millions of those over the ages, and I've never seen an article written about one. And then I thought about it a little harder, and I thought, you know, actually... This spot does feature a bunch of different voices. It was written by MailChimp. The the uh, serial folks went off onto the streets of Chicago, I presume, and voiced a bunch of different people reading different parts of the spot and had someone mispronounce uh, MailChimp, although I don't know how in the world you can mispronounce MailChimp, <laughs> but someone did it, and uh, had a little uh, chuckle at the end when someone acknowledged on the audio that they actually used MailChimp. And I thought, you know, at first this seems very routine, but the more I listen to it, the more it seems actually very ambitious compared to the audio ads you hear on the radio. Uh, Most of which, when we're talking about local ads, 90% of which, maybe more, are written by local account execs just trying to get the words on a piece of paper and shove it over to a production person who's got this on a pile of a 100 other identical ads to voice within the next hour. Um, it, it's a relatively shoddy experience more often than not. As a result, so many radio spots sound identical. So it occurred to me what I was hearing here was a radio spot that didn't sound like every other radio spot, and that was what people were reacting to.
1: Yeah, that's the whole point, isn't it? And... That's why we do what we're doing, so that people will actually listen to it.
0: (laughs) Well, We'll have to keep that in mind when we count the listens on this thing. (laughs) And to that point, though, in that article, um, they had embedded uh, the actual audio spot uh, in the article, and it had 12,000 listens. Now, these are on-demand listens. These are people going out of their way to click a button and listen to a radio spot. Twelve thousand. Maybe we should put a spot on ours. Hey, <laughs> hey,
1: mailchimp or
0: mailchimp. Whoever, yeah, mailchimp, call us. <laughs> us. Um, I have one final rant. This is a rant. I don't know what I'm ranting about here. If it's about me or the internet or Business Insider or what it is, but you you were all familiar with uh, with clickbait, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I got sucked in. <laughs> the article was from Business Insider. It was called "These Pictures of Clint Eastwood Through the Years Make Aging Look Easy." <laughs> you clicked it I, then you no went. I didn't click it I clicked every single image there must have been a hundred <laughs> images uh, you know one after the another one per page of Clint Eastwood every one for every year of this man's life I clicked every <laughs> single image I've seen every single image before yet I kept clicking every single image. <laughs> And by the time I got to the end of it, I literally
1: felt dirty. (laughs) I know they couldn't just show us a collage of the (laughs) images, right? The page, every page has to reload in order to, to, you know, to count those clicks. We've got another view.
0: (laughs) I want the banner ad on age fifty-five. You know, is that really necessary? So I don't know who I'm angrier at. Hey,
1: Mark, I got an idea. Yeah, go back and do that again, but this time do a screenshot, capture all of those pictures and let's make a collage, and we'll put it on our show so people don't have to click through all those pages.
0: <laughs> Great. That's, actually, that's a good idea. There you go. <laughs> that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes, on Stitcher, at SoundCloud. We're trying to beat Serial for the number one spot, so please support us <laughs> or at Podcast One. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us and push us up to the top of the iTunes ranker.
1: Exactly. And have MailChimp And
0: MailChimp, if, you if you're thing. out there listening, please call <laughs> us. We can mispronounce your name as well as anybody. You can follow Tom on Twitter, at Tom Asacker and Mark at MarkRamseyMedia. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag MediaUnplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to our producer of Media Unplug, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. He's fabulous, by the way, isn't he, Tom?
1: He is. He's you can great. find
0: him at jeff-schmidt.com. For the fabulous Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.